Welcome, welcome, welcome to your destination for Sacramento Kings aggravation. It's the purple and black pill. Hello, friends. My name is Ty Foster. I've been on this shitty ass trip with this shitty ass team since the early 90s. Joining me, my best friend since that time, Duncan Smith. Hey, Dunk, what's up, man? I don't know. I'm not sure. Who cares? <laughs> uh so, uh, it's going to be a black pill heavy show today. Those of you who follow the Kings closely will know why. This is uh, now another losing streak that has the potential to spiral out of control. <laughs> we were on a four-game anti-heater. We lost Friday to the Lakers. No LeBron, no AD, no Andre Drummond. We lost Saturday to Milwaukee. No Giannis Antetokounmpo. We lost Monday to Minnesota the worst team in the league. Granted, they got one of their best players back, but they are the worst team in the league by quite a bit. So make of that what you will. Against Milwaukee, we managed to have a decent effort in the fourth, but it didn't end up mattering. Against Minnesota, the exact opposite happened, and uh, they outscored us 24-34, which was the margin. Bench was absolutely destroyed. I have not seen anything like this in... Any time I can remember, the bench was outscored 60 to 16. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't really know what to say at this point about uh, this on-court product. Whatever, normal caveats apply. We're working in a bunch of new players. We're young. We're inconsistent. You know, but just an absolutely demoralizing weekend. Any thoughts on your part? Yeah, I mean, I, I am not surprised. I think that I didn't get fooled this time when they went on that little winning streak. He looked at it and he saw a bunch of tanking teams that we beat and a couple of 500 teams and random statistical variance between us having a good shooting night and not is going to happen every now and again. So we shot, we shot hot and we beat some 500 teams and then the regression to the mean happened. And it's going to keep happening. This is a bad team. It was a bad team on day one. It was a bad team when Monty took over. It was a bad team last season. It was always going to be a bad team this season. Harrison Barnes playing a little bit over his head has been a nice surprise. You know, Rashawn Holmes playing a little bit over his head has been a nice surprise. But we've also talked about the issues that are created when you take that trade off with both of those guys adding some offensive efficiency versus what they do defensively so i guess it's just more of the same to me it's not so much a disappointment as it is a reconfirmation of the intentionally losing season that we were always going to have i mean i think we came into this year saying it was a gap year that was the mm -hmm. sort of euphemism for we're going to lose a lot of games that was used maybe even before the season started. So when you come in that way, it's like, yeah, we knew that we were going to lose games. We have our first round pick, and that's what we're looking forward to out of this season. I think a lot of people are disappointed. They would have liked to see us lose more games and tank harder for Cade, but I'm kind of already on the record about the flattening of the lottery odds. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter too much to me. I think the only difference between us being in 10th to last place and Minnesota being in first to last place 
as we've seen from them thoroughly outplaying us, is just that they had injuries to Carl Anthony Townsend, D'Angelo Russell, and De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes have all been remarkably healthy this season, as well as Halliburton. He missed a few games, but he wasn't exactly like a you know blown ACL or anything, or a two-month loss to COVID the way that a lot of teams experienced. So that's where we are. We just think... Terrence Davis had a real big game against Milwaukee, 10 of 14 from the field, 7 of 10 from three, which was a career high for him uh, for 27 points. Pretty exciting young microwave scorer, as we said, second year, viewed as a steal, undrafted last year. But as we know, he arrived with some baggage. There was a pretty serious accusation of domestic assault that involved his child. Um, This is a very difficult subject for fans to even address. This is something that I don't would prefer not to talk about if I could avoid it. But the the comments that he made in response to James Ham's question really hit me wrong. I'm interested to see if other people feel the same way. Here are the comments. Yeah, Terrence, you haven't spoken to the media here or in Toronto in a while. So just your off the court stuff. It looks like most of it's behind you at this point. But what do you want fans to know about that situation, about who you are? Uh, and, you know, about sort of the fresh start that you're starting here in Sacramento? Well, you know, that's a very sensitive and, you know, personal uh, subject right there, man. I don't I want to touch too much on it because, you know, it's, it's kind of still ongoing, I would say. Not as much, but, you know, I'm still going through some things with, you know, my son, like trying to, you know, having to, you know, you know custody of him and things of that sort. So it's, it's a very sensitive subject, but, uh, you know, I'm happy, you know, to be here. Happy, you know, to uh, just be in Sacramento, man. Got a fresh, clean start, man. Uh, you know, I, w- I was dealing with a lot over in Toronto. I had a pretty good year, man, as an undrafted player, you know, going undrafted and making our rookie second team. And then, you know, for the unfortunate situation to go down and then, you know, things just flip like that. It's It's almost like, you know, the world was against me and, you know, my back was against the wall. And uh, like I said, man, I'm just thankful. I thank God for, you know, just putting me through that situation and uh, and helping me get out of it, man. I found these comments to be repulsive, frankly. I know that this is a young person. I want so badly to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's not my place to judge. We don't know the specifics of the circumstance, but I am so fucking sick of hearing men in these positions of privilege and power speak about these situations as though something bad is happening to them. It's so fucking crazy. And here we are rooting for a team that two years ago hired a fucking coach with no coaching search, and he showed up on the job and immediately was hit with a credible rape accusation. And we've been carrying that around and like not talking about that and just kind of trying to talk around that as fans for two years. And here we are with the opportunity maybe to move on from that. We choose not to do that. Fine, whatever. And then we use our second round draft capital to take on a guy from a very smart organization that traded him away, probably for a very specific purpose. And I'm like, what the fuck is the point of that for the Sacramento Kings? We're we're shitty this year anyway. What is Terrence Davis going to help us make the playoffs? Who fucking cares? Why do Sacramento Kings fans need to be carrying around this ambivalence when Terrence Davis does well? I'm going to feel like a piece of shit for rooting for him. Sorry, 
When he does poorly, I'm going to be like, what the fuck did we get this guy on our team for? You can probably hear I'm a little heated. Again, I don't mean to take anything out on this young kid who maybe just made a mistake and is perfectly deserving of um, whatever opportunities the legal system provides for people to rehabilitate themselves. I, I, I don't think that we need to be unnecessarily punitive or anything like that. But as a fan, I'm, I'm, I'm just very intensely resentful of the position that the organization puts fans in when they bring players like this in. I, I, I don't know if you had any feelings about this, but clearly I do. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I guess I can understand why he would sort of talk around it and you know refer to it as the situation or all of these little ways of not taking full responsibility because he probably still is in a legal fight over it and over custody of his child. And so any smart lawyer is going to tell you the same thing, which is don't admit any sort of guilt. Don't go on the record in any way that is going to be admissible in court. And so, you know, he doesn't have to tell us anything. That's fine. And, and also, you know, maybe he's not the best communicator. I have no idea. I don't know him well enough to, to know whether he is able to speak really frankly about that issue and convey his, his the actual work that he's doing. Who knows what he's doing behind the scenes to make this right? So that's one thing that I can com kind of compartmentalize, but I completely agree about the organization. Like, they just haven't earned the credibility to say, hey, we can judge behind the scenes without the fans understanding whether this person is truly toxic, violent, abusive, dangerous to the organization or to his family or anybody else. They, they just haven't earned that right. They've had all kinds of domestic abuse issues, Darren Collison, uh, other players, Olden Polonies, I think, going way back. Mm -hmm. They've had issues with Luke Walton and his sexual assault allegation, like you mentioned. So they're not the Spurs. You know, you don't have the moral authority of Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, and the team of the culture that they've built there that indicates that they're going to be able to do the best thing for the player and the franchise, whether that is, you know, taking them on and helping them or dumping them when they screw up. And, and we just don't have that. So don't, like you said, don't put the fans in the position of having to ignore it or root for a guy because he's on our team and we want the team to succeed. Just do something else with your, with your last roster spot. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, not that it should matter how good he is, but this is it is a results based uh business and this this guy's the fifth best guard on our team you know like fox halliburton healed and delon wright are all higher priorities than him both in terms of their proven ability and their uh contract status you know so there's there's really no point in taking this flyer unless you really think you know more than what is being reported publicly and on top of that, you think you've earned the credibility to keep a secret. Right. And like you said, may maybe they have a lot of faith in themselves to become like a rehabilitative destination or something like that. Fine. But we don't have any evidence of that, you know, and I, I just I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds as far as like being prescriptive, because I don't know the best way to handle this. I do not believe that this man 
should lose the right to his livelihood because he is involved in a ongoing legal situation. Yeah, that's for the courts to decide, right? Like maybe he is, maybe he should lose it, maybe he shouldn't lose it, but that's a justice system issue. Right. And those things are are gears that move that take a long time. And that, of course, is imperfect, uh, to say the very least. Anyway, whatever. I mean, I'm not I'm not the fucking judge of any of this shit. Just as an objective thinking fan who saw that I was like, why was that guy available? Figured out why I was like, God damn it. Okay, whatever. I'm just going to compartmentalize that. And I don't know what it was about these comments. I mean, to, to the point that you were making about, uh, you know, maybe he just doesn't know the right thing to say. I mean, clearly you should not expose yourself legally if you if part of your job is to talk to the media and you are involved in an ongoing legal situation. But in that case, just say this is an ongoing legal situation and I cannot comment on it. I would like to and I will, but whatever. Yeah, but that's an unsat that to me that's an unsatisfactory um response also. Like I don't want to hear you say, uh, sorry, I can't comment on this really horrible thing. I want it to not ever have to happen in the first place. Like I don't need a comment from Terrence Davis if he's still a Toronto Raptor as a Kings fan. So that is the issue with the Kings signing him to me is there are no no satisfactory explanations for this, and so we haven't earned the right as a as a really bad team. Like let's focus on the players like Rashawn Holmes and all of the other guys on this team who seem like genuinely great great guys and need to improve like let's focus on that on on developing those guys rather than taking on reclamation projects that we can't afford to develop because we stink exactly i mean we were just talking the other day on this show about how though the kings are an embarrassing on-court product they have genuinely impressed me to a to a significant degree with what they have done in terms of off-court you know and community involvement and organizing and harrison barnes is like you know, just like one of the most impressive people in the league. And Halliburton seems like he's on a similar trajectory. And De'Aaron Fox, you know, has excellent vibes as far as I can tell. And that's the kind of thing that you need to cultivate more than some kind of cold calculated like MBA approach, you know, like some financialized approach to asset management with this shit where you're just like, well, this is a distressed asset that we can maybe pick up. Yes, but like ask yourself those human questions as well. You know, yeah, and also we did that with our other trades. You know, like exactly, we took on a distressed asset and cabin jelly and turned it into free money, and we took on you know Mo Harkless in order to get some goodwill out of the belly situation, which was a tough one for adult reasons that are really nobody's fault. And you know, we picked up Delon Wright on a pretty affordable contract for essentially nothing. So like we can create value in other ways without exposing our our franchise and the fans to the gross emotional turmoil that comes with not knowing whether one of the people that you root for is a abuser. Agreed. All right. We're we're gonna close the close the book on that for now. God willing there's no more fucking reason to discuss this anytime soon but this has kind of been on the back of my mind for a while and uh it, it felt worth it to just kind of air it out a little bit here moving on <laughs> to more good news buddy healed was fined twenty thousand dollars for yelling at a ref after the bucks game uh that is uh perfectly in keeping with the weekend that we had looks like the kings are going to be signing damian jones to a 10 day so the churn of 
big guys on 10-day contracts continues. We're clearly looking to get as many bites at the apple as we can, um, you know, with rotation pieces. I guess that's fine. I'm a little confused about why, for example, in the Minnesota game, your bench is getting outscored 60 to 16, and yet the young guys are getting no minutes. Robert Woodard showed us so much in the G League, and he really hasn't been able to find the court yet. And now we're bringing in Damian Jones. And again, you know, whatever, good to add more talent. Damian Jones has definitely had his moments. But I'm like, are we going to develop these young guys? Or like, why why are we picking them then? (laughs) Yeah, Woodard is kind of the only one that I really would like to see. I think I know who Kyle Guy and Justin James are for now. That doesn't mean that they could never become a guy who stands in the corner on a James Harden team and makes three pointers when they're 27. But at this point, they're just not good enough to drag us out of the massive hole that we're in. And so I would rather see those roster spots used to kind of shoot the moon on people like Damian Jones or whoever else that that might be a little bit more mature in their body or their their skills because they're a little older or they have a chance of of going from being a waved guy to being the next Robert Covington or whatever player you want to use in that example as a as a G League call up that turns into a above average starter but I I think that yeah Woodard is is kind of the only guy who definitely has a has an NBA body definitely succeeded at the highest non-NBA level that you could ask him to and and so and he plays a position in need so I, I would just like to see him immediately and then as for the other guys I don't really care if it's Damian Jones or Chimezi Metu or anybody else that kind of gobbles up those minutes take your look and then send him packing yeah speaking of James and and Guy Justin James and Kyle Guy I, I'm very confused by why we would cut to Quan Jeffries when Justin James and Kyle Guy are effectively the same thing. They're undersized scorers, and Daquan Jeffries gives you size and athleticism on the wing. Something happened with Daquan Jeffries very suddenly, where he went from we're giving him a serious look and he played like okay, but not terribly, to this guy is getting cut. Uh, and now the Rockets have picked him up, and um, I expect him to do at least okay for them. I, I, I was pretty shocked that they decided to keep Guy and James over him. Yeah, I don't know. I Maybe there's another one of those, kind of like we did a favor for Belly, we did a favor for Daquan Jeffries thing, where the Rockets expressed interest at the trade deadline, and we knew that he would be in their rotation, and we knew that he probably wouldn't be in our rotation. I don't know. But it does seem weird, since he can kind of do things physically that most of the other end of bench guys can't do and I understand you know saving a roster spot for Jemias Ramsey since he's so young and so unproven in any way that he's just kind of like a you know it's kind of the equivalent of a Euro draft stash or something like that but yeah I don't expect 23 or 24 25 year old Kyle guy to be starting for the Kings ever so Moving on to a quick update on the rumble for the tumble into a first round series against Utah, (laughs) Uh, the play-in tournament. Dallas is at 7, 28 and 21. They're sitting pretty there, but uh, and still only a couple games back of the Trailblazers for the sixth spot. Memphis is at 8, uh, three games back of Dallas, 
The Spurs are at nine, uh, half game back of Memphis. Warriors sitting at the bottom of the play-in tournament at 10, 23 and 27, two games back of San Antonio. We are down at 12, <laughs> below the Pelicans, and a game and a half back of the Warriors, who everybody is talking about how terrible the Warriors have been lately, and uh, that is helping the Kings' terribleness fly under the radar, perhaps. Not a particularly exciting update today, but basically I just want to do it so that I can play Guile's theme from Street Fighter 2. <laughs> just a couple other more um, points of interest before we take off for the day. Speaking of James Ham, as I did earlier, uh, our <laughs> intrepid beat reporter, somebody needs to do a wellness check on this poor guy. He's 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 taken the latest developments on court developments with this team pretty hard. One thing that we are missing now with Grant Napier gone is that sense of uh, disappointment from a King's media mouthpiece that is palpable and. It just struck me as, as really funny as I was scrolling through James Ham's Twitter feed. I was like, God damn, this guy sounds depressed. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> exasperation catches up with everybody. Like, you can be really professional, really excited to do your job. You know, you're a new media guy who transformed his uh, opportunity into a, a pretty serious beat reporter assignment. And after a certain amount of time, I think that that professionalism and excitement about new prospects sort of dries up and turns into a deep, deep resentment for the ineptitude of this franchise <laughs> no question and of course finally we would be remiss if we did not discuss at least a little the big news of the nba this week which was paul pierce having a very weird private twerking party with strippers at his house but also like getting his hair cut Something, yeah. So, there was a lot going on, and he was so stoned, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> and uh, ESPN just fired him immediately, which was hilarious because it, it seems pretty clear to me that ESPN was probably looking for an off ramp because he is just <laughs> incredibly unpopular. Like on Twitter, everybody just fucking loves to hate him. His his analysis is boring and lazy. It's very there's there's a lot of players from that era. Shaq, I feel very much the same about. Where it's like, man, if you're so miserable doing this, just fucking do nothing. You're so rich. Yeah, it it is hard to understand what the motivational approach a company like ESPN should take with somebody who's gonna go home and cry into two hundred million dollars worth of cash that they earned over the course of their career if they if they do get disciplined. Like, why do these people feel the need to be on the air at all? It's really weird. A lot of the best analysts in that position, weirdly, were role players. And I don't know why that is, but I don't need to hear the perspective of Paul Pierce on what's going on in the NBA right now, unless he has something interesting to say. And I, I just, I don't really get why these networks think that like celebrity matters in a job like that. Because everybody's kind of famous in that world. Any, like, I'm not like getting a thrill looking at Paul Pierce. I was just looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo playing basketball or something. You know, like it's not, I don't need more celebs in that context. Right. Yeah. Very good point. Only the tippy tippy top of the, of the ladder would be somebody that would be exciting to like a get to have on air in terms of former NBA players. And I guess it sort of uh, goes back to the, they don't love you like that thing where Paul Pierce was uh, trying to do his uh, retirement tour and he got called out for not being Kobe. Like, <laughs> nobody really cares. You're Paul Pierce. Like, 
great player, great career. Enjoy your money, enjoy your championship ring. But like nobody is like, oh my god, it's Paul Pierce. The way that they're like, oh my god, it's Michael Jordan. Let me watch a ten part series on his life. Paul Pierce is just kind of like a weird, sweaty guy. I, I just I don't want I don't care to like be around him. Nothing personal, but I just find him a little weird and gross. Yeah, not sure about his facial hair. Not sure about his hairline is weird like not that we need to judge these people exclusively on their superficial look but like something about his energy is very unbothered by norms it's swarthy but almost in a bad way (laughs) yeah two things i would watch a 10-part documentary about regarding paul pierce are of course the fact that he is named pierce and was nearly stabbed to death and survived Mm. and that he pooped his pants and pretended to be injured uh, in front of the world. And that is incredible. Like, one th- at some point, he's going to be old, and we're going to actually hear the definitive version of that story. And I cannot fucking wait. Yeah. Because that's one of the most interesting things that's ever happened in human history, is that a man pooped his pants in front of everyone and then had to pretend to be Willis Reed in order to go change. Yeah. And until we're ready to, to have that story, I would rather just watch, like, a six-second-long clip on TikTok of Giannis Antetokounmpo eating yogurt or whatever, because that's just much friendlier than than Paul Pierce. And on that note, we are going to bid you adieu for the day. Thank you for bearing with my angry diatribes. Thank you for bearing with this absolute fucking dumpster fire of a franchise. I don't know why you do. I don't know why I do, but I'm glad to be here with you. Duncan, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel you probably feel the same way. Please do hit us up at... uh, Purple and blackpill at gmail.com. That's purple and blackpill at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at purple blackpill. Hit us up. Let us know how you think we're doing. Send us a mailbag cue. The only game we have before the next show is Thursday, 7 o'clock against Detroit. We'll fucking see. Another <laughs> chance to beat a team that's intentionally trying to lose. Let's see. Do not stake your happiness on the comings and goings of these strangers, people. Find some value in the real things in your life. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe this shit won't matter so much to you. <laughs> Eat a yogurt. If it can make Yana smile, it can make you smile. Put it on TikTok and do something for yourself. That's it for us. So long, friends. See you on Friday. Peace. Peace.